everyone, and welcome to the Denver Post Broncos podcast. I'm Nick Kosmeiter, along with my colleague Nikki Jabala. Together we make up the coverage team for the Broncos at the Denver Post, and uh, we're going to be bringing you this podcast, our hope is weekly, um, starting with the offseason, where we're talking everything from from draft to team needs for the Broncos to the upcoming combine um, and things like that. Uh, Nikki, how's it going? It's going. I see you have your coffee. I have my coffee. I always have my coffee. <laughs> so you're ready to go. We have more if you need it. So uh, we'll get we'll get kind of right into it. Um, you no, know, Nikki. The first thing that I wanted to talk about um, was um, obviously now we've had about three weeks to to step away from from what was a pretty disastrous 2017 season from the Broncos. As you've had the time, obviously we've we've been jumping right into other stuff. But as you've had some time removed from the season, what, what kind of lingering thoughts do you have just about you know the madness that ensued afterward? Some things in the season that stuck out. What's kind of been your takeaway? Well, I think the first thing is it was kind of a weird season. Not kind of. It was a weird season because they they started off on on such a good note. They had those first. Um, they started out three and one before the bye. They looked really strong. It looked like you know maybe they had a, a decent quarterback situation with Trevor Simeon um, in, in control under center. But everything just kind of fell apart after that bye week, and and nobody seems to know why. Not even they know why. Um, and I think that was one of the most frustrating things for the players, the coaches too, is trying to figure out what went wrong and why they couldn't fix it. Um, because thereafter, and the quarterback situation fell apart. They kind of moved away from the run game. Um, the defense let up some some big passing plays. They weren't as stout as we're used to seeing. Um, and, and then frustration just mounted. So that was one of the biggest things. And then, you know, kind of looking ahead, it's, it's very clear they have a lot of work to do, a lot of major decisions to make, a lot of holes to fill. So I would expect them to be a big player um, in free agency, certainly in the draft with the number five pick. Um, but they, they got a lot of decisions to make here. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've, uh, as I've thought back onto the season was, and you mentioned a little bit, but just how much – when they were in that eight-game losing streak, almost what like a self-fulfilling prophecy their their losing became. Um, it was almost as if they were sort of like stuck in this quicksand, and the more that they tried to struggle and, and figure out how to get out of it, the, the deeper that they mm-hmm. sank into it. And, yeah. um, you know, when you look at what they have to do now, I think set against that background, you see so many things um, they, that they need to have fixed. And I think what – what John Elway sort of said at the end of the season um, was kind of like an, an aha moment, I think, for this franchise of like, listen, Super Bowl 50 was a long time ago. <laughs> we're no longer in that mold of like, we're almost there. We just got to tweak this, tweak this. And I'm just I'm just kind of blown away by how fast things change in the NFL right. because they're nowhere near that right yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, I think this also shows that some of us perhaps may have taken Peyton Manning for granted um, his final season um, wasn't quite what we're used to seeing from Peyton Manning, but even at um, maybe his worst of his NFL career is still light years above, you know, light years past everybody else. So he was able to compensate in so many ways that younger quarterbacks just aren't. He's able to mask some of the deficiencies of the line, some of the issues with uh, w- with the running backs or with the offense in general. Um, and it, of course it doesn't help. Uh, it doesn't hurt to have a, a defense that was as good as their their defense was that year. 
Um, but yeah, it's it looks wholly unlike the team we saw in Super Bowl 50, and they fell pretty fast. But they do have some good pieces still. Uh, there are some there are some talented players on that defense. Um, they still got currently. We'll see about going forward. They still have two thousand yard receivers, so they have something to work with. They're not starting from scratch completely here. Yeah. Well, and, and when you talk about obviously going forward into what the, what they have to do, um, it's no secret that the number one issue for the Broncos is figuring out their quarterback right. spot. I mean, that's going to be sort of the theme of the next three months um, between free agency and then the draft that starts on April 26th. And you mentioned they have the fifth yep. overall pick in a, in a deep class of quarterbacks. Um, I thought John Elway's end-of-season press conference that happened on January 2nd was about two things. It was about keeping Vance and why Vance Joseph and why he decided to stick with the, the coach after a first-year 5-11 record. And the other thing was what they're looking for in a quarterback. And I thought you know, John Elway had some pretty poignant things to say about what he's looking for. Um, as you've kind of examined that, what is your takeaway on, on what he said and maybe where that might point mm-hmm. them? In the quarterback search. Well, I think one of the things he said throughout, um, and not just since the season ended, is responding to in-game adversity. And that's what they struggled with in pretty much nearly every facet, but especially at quarterback. You know, when they would um, get down early, they couldn't bounce back. They couldn't respond with the score and, and re- reclaim the lead. And, and that spiraled throughout games. You know, one thing goes wrong and everything falls apart. And when it happens early, I mean, you're dead after three quarters. So that was one of the things. And it'll be interesting to kind of see what they're looking at at the Senior Bowl and at other pre-draft events just to gain insight into who these guys are. Mm-hmm. You know, how do they respond? How do they react when things aren't going perfectly in the game or they're not performing their best at one of these draft events? I think that's very telling to kind of – get in the mind of these players you know we we all know they're talented they had to be to get to this point but what's going to set them apart because i think they were missing that i think they might have seen that in trevor simeon maybe a little in paxton lynch maybe a little in brock osweiler but neither one of them neither none of the three had that complete package and that's what they need they need that swagger that confidence that edge at quarterback, not to mention a, a leader. Right. Yeah, no, that that's almost exactly what my takeaway was, was he really seemed to emphasize the fact that uh, the mental makeup is going to be mm-hmm. such a huge component of this. Because when you look at the 2018 draft class, um, I, I remember last year, um, at, right after 2017 draft was over, they were saying this is going to you know be among the most talented quarterback draft classes ever. They were comparing it to Elway's year of 83 that had Marino and he and John Kelly, and or Jim Kelly rather. Um, and, and I think maybe the shine has maybe somewhat come off of that class, but I still think it's pretty widely regarded as a, as a really strong quarterback class. And so while you have all these talented guys, it is incumbent upon these teams to figure out what, um, what are the intangible components that guys have. Because you're right, that, that's, that's the takeaway from, from that, to me, that Peyton Manning era. And I, you were in the locker room then, I wasn't. But it just seems as if um, – there's just not this belief there. It seemed to me that there wasn't this belief in the locker room last year um, that, you know, if things went wrong, their quarterback was going to find a way to guide them out of it. And it's not necessarily an indictment on those guys. It's just the fact that they didn't, it just wasn't something that they possessed um, in in that, in that structure last year. And so 
that to me is going to be yeah. among the biggest things. And, and they need that one voice in the locker room. I mean, you got to remember uh, when, when Peyton Manning retired, they lost him on offense. Who is you can't match Peyton Manning as a leader. But then they lost to Marcus Ware too, and those are the two veteran leader voices. Um, it, that they just really never made up for. They have a lot of talented guys, a lot of vocal guys, but none of which could really guide them through this rough patch. Um, I, I think sometimes people wanted Demarius Thomas to be different than what he is, and he's he's not the the rowdy type. Um, you know, he he told me in a sit down interview that he he wants to be seen as a leader, and he feels he is, but he he's not the type to do it like. Um, DeMarcus or Peyton or anyone else and other players have voiced the same thing they do it in their own way but they need that definitive voice yeah, on and, offense especially and I don't think you can you can force somebody into a, into a role that's just not part of their of their kind of intrinsic makeup right. I remember when I was covering the Nuggets um, last year there was a lot of talk about uh, going into this year of them wanting Nikola Jokic to be that guy who would step up and and talk to talk to players, but he's more of like a, a Von Miller type almost. He's kind of the goofy guy. Right. He likes to joke around, and in a way, that's a good leadership style in, in certain situations because it keeps guys loose, um, and and he he leads with the way that he plays. But you do in a locker room have to have somebody right. who will who will kind of carry that right. torch, and, and that to me that was certainly something they were missing last and year. I thought it was especially magnified with this with this class. Really, the most of the last two years actually. Um, the younger guys that have come in don't seem to have that same mindset as the veterans. Um, you look at the class of 2017, only one guy started and played every single game. And there was one point, it was a game at Miami, where the only drafted rookie contributing was Garrett Bowles. Everybody else was either on injured reserve or had been demoted because of performance or something else. Which is not good for yeah, a rookie. That's class. late in the season to not have yeah. any rookies contributing. It, it, you don't have you don't have any offensive linemen on the practice squad, so there goes your developmental pipeline, and it was just kind of a mess. And I, and I think they need more contributions, and they need them early from their draft pick. So that's another reason why I'm really looking to see how they evaluate these guys. What are they looking for beyond you know a, a pass a, a guy made or a run he had. Um, what are they looking for in these guys? How are they evaluating him? And I'm also curious to see how much influence Gary Kubiak has because Elway and Kubiak have led the Broncos to all three of their titles. We know right. they operate really well together, and Kubiak is a known um, – he, he's a great talent evaluator. He's right. known and respected as such throughout the league. So how much influence will he have in the next quarterback, the next roster for the Broncos? Right. You mentioned um, you're curious to see what the Broncos will be looking for. You're going to have an opportunity next week um, down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl where the Broncos, I think this is, you could argue that this would be the most perfect year for them to have this opportunity to be coaching. Um, you, you wrote a little bit earlier about uh, what, what quarterbacks are going to be on their roster. What is going to be the biggest thing that you're interested in seeing with both the, the prospects down there and the way that the Broncos kind of interact with these guys? Well, I think the most important thing will be what most people don't see. Um, the practices, you know, clips of that will be aired, the game that will be aired. But they also have positional and team meetings with these guys. They also have um, complete reign to, to talk to them during mealtime. So 
how do they how do they talk to these guys? Who are they talking to? Which positions are they talking to the most? Because um, that can kind of give you an idea of what they're looking at going into the draft. I know some of the Broncos scouts at the East West Shrine game this week. A lot of offensive linemen have been interviewed by the Broncos. That that's pretty telling as they go into this draft. Um, but I, I think mostly for me is to see the off the field interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see how these players react to being coached by the Broncos. I thought it was interesting that um, that the Broncos requested to coach Baker Mayfield because they didn't see him at the Rose Bowl because of the you know all the coaching changes right. after their season ended. But they did see Josh Allen at the Potato Bowl. They were there on the sidelines, no less. So I, I think it's going to be really a huge advantage for the Broncos to have both on their roster and get a chance to coach both, see who they like better. Right, yeah, and you mentioned Potato Bowl, uh, Josh Allen, the Wyoming quarterback, and had those three touchdown passes in the first half as John Elway looked on. I think that would uh, certainly serve as a as a solid audition, um, but you're right, when you have the coaching staff that is going to look at two of these quarterbacks, Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield, who um, are predicted by most, I think, to go in the first round, um, you have the opportunity up close, that gives you an edge on on some of the teams um so i'm really interested to see how they'll how they'll interact with those guys how those interactions will kind of carry them into their process because you know free agency uh, as we know coming up in march it's it's kurt cousins that we think will be a free agent um you know drew Brees wants to be back with the saints alex smith may be traded if they're ready for patrick mahomes but really there's it's 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 a it's a small group um and, and so there's little guarantee that you'll you'll get the guy that you want. So I just think that these these evaluations with this class is so important next yeah. week. Yeah, and they, and they get a lot of decisions to make, and I, I think this this gives them a good foundation to build off of when they're making that decision. Because remember, free agency, the trading period, that comes before the draft. So whatever the Broncos do in that time in mid-March will kind of dictate where they go, where they go in the draft, who they select. I mean... Do they want to spend big on a guy like Kirk Cousins if he's available and then, um, you know, draft a quarterback for, you know, just as a backup? Or do they just go with Kirk Cousins because he's more of a long-term guy and they look to build up their their offensive line at number five? Or do they they get a short-term veteran and get one of these highly touted quarterbacks to be their future? I mean, there's so many variables here. It's it's still so early. Right. but they do have options, which is a very good problem to have. Yeah, it's there. I mean, if, if you're going to have to go through this, it's like you said, they're in, they're in a good spot because they sh- they would seemingly have the the financial flexibility to chase a guy in free agency, and then with where they're selecting in the draft, are going to have the choice of a number of of pretty talented quarterbacks. So we'll as, as you mentioned, we have a long time, a lot of time to talk about quarterbacks. Let's um, real quick just kind of get into some of the other kind of other bigger biggest needs you see for this mm-hmm. team um, going forward as well after the quarterbacks outside of quarterback I, I think you have to get another offensive lineman um, if, you, if you're not going to sign a, a veteran like a Nate Soldier type you got to figure out that right side of the line get another tackle um, Garrett Bowles you, you hope that he's um, more comfortable in the second year um, contributed a lot in his first year you got Ron Leary who was a force when mm-hmm. healthy um at guard hopefully you have Matt Paradis coming back as a restricted free agent um you got to decide what to do with that other guard position do you keep Max Garcia there or do you shuffle him around you got to get a right tackle I mean there's <laughs> Menelik Watson dealt with injuries wasn't great when he was healthy Donald Stevenson dealt with injuries wasn't great when he was healthy so and and this is a problem they've been dealing with for years. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I feel like that's that's clear number two behind quarterback for me. Yeah. Um, I think they also got to get more offensive weapons, and I, I think the draft is a good place to get them. Um, the playmakers, you know, it's, right? Depending on what they do with C.J. Anderson and, and their their veteran receivers. Find help there, you know. Yeah. Get a quarterback and get somebody to to pass it to. Well, and we're seeing we're seeing more and more. I mean, we saw it in the playoffs, guys that um, that were picked up as playmakers who just jump right in there. You, you got the Alvin Kamara's and the Kareem Hunts and, and guys like this who can automatically impact um, a game. And I, I agree with you. I, I think that 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 is an area that the Broncos um, and kind of just reviewing some of their offensive inefficiencies. Um, that's where they were really hurt. Is they just they they. They didn't have a guy who consistently could just go make plays for you. Um, you know, a lot of things were dictated by, you know, tr- trying to trying to put a system in place that allowed different guys to make impacts. Um, but you lacked you lacked guys that would just make plays based on their sheer athleticism and talent. And um, you know, I think if you wanna if you wanna get back to an offense that that can be sort of explosive, you have to have those elements in it. Other otherwise, you're you're kind of trying to trudge uphill. The one position I'm kind of curious to see what they do is inside linebacker because they typically haven't drafted guys to start there. Um, and their last two starters, when their contracts have come up, they let them walk. Now, they, they recently extended the contract to Brandon Marshall, mm-hmm. but they have Todd Davis coming up. And they they gave him a second-round tender as a restricted free agent last year, but he could he could get some big money. Um, as a starting inside linebacker, do you keep him? Do you try to restructure Brandon Marshall? Can you afford to keep both of them as a starter? Do you draft? And Corey Nelson behind him is also up as a free right. agent. So how do you handle that position financially and you know, just to, to keep that defense somewhat intact as you build up the offense? Right, yeah, and there's certainly there's going to be some, some guys at the Senior Bowl who I'm sure they'll have a close eye on, a guy like Rashawn Evans mm-hmm. out of Alabama, um, there, there's some really talented inside linebackers in this in this class. Um, Raquan Smith um, out of Georgia is going to be a high a, a high first round draft pick most likely. So there's certainly those guys that if you want to go um, in that vein of hey maybe we just need a really just mm-hmm. playmaker type you know Luke Keekley type guy or Paul Puzlesny guy that you can find who just really sets the tone in, in the middle of the field. Um, those guys potentially could be available too. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, not to mention, I think also, you know, the pass rush is another element that they could continue to to improve upon there. Um, that's something that uh, their sack, sack totals took a big dip this year. Right, right. I, I think it'll be important for them to get, a, get Shane Ray healthy again. Right. Um, and then Shaq Barrett, a restricted free agent, that could be another $3 million salary you're handing out for a year. Um, yeah, they, they got to get better there. And I'll be interested to see kind of what they do with the defense overall. This is a whole nother podcast right know, here. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, do they do they try to go back to doing more of what Wade did? Or do they move forward with some of the nuances that Vance Joseph added um, when he came on last year? Because um, they, they improved some areas, notably that the run defense. But they were spotty, to put it politely, <laughs> in others. So um, it'll be... It'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Yeah. As you mentioned, we're just yeah. scratching the surface of some of the issues the Broncos have to take care of this week. Before we go, I just want to get your thoughts on the AFC and NFC championship games this week. I'm still, um, you know, recovering from what my eyeballs <laughs> saw with that Vikings game. Um, so let's start there. Vikings at Eagles. Um, Eagles are somehow still an underdog as the number one seed. What, uh, what do you see out of that? Mm. That's going to be a great game. 
I'm so torn on this because I love I love the Vikings defense. I think they're so fun to watch, and I would just love to be able to watch a hometown, you know, a Super Bowl in Minnesota. Sure. But that Philly team, man, they're they're something. And the fact that they've come this far without Carson Wentz, um, you know, he's sidelined with the injury. It, to me, that speaks volumes about a team. So. I'm going with Philly in this one. Yeah, you know it's it's interesting. I I um, you know you you think about the, all the momentum with Minnesota, but I also see it as as a potential like emotional waterfall that they're that they're on the edge of because you you don't like there's teams that win Super Bowls that that feel less less kind of euphoric than what they had right. in the divisional game over the Saints. So um, I, I think when you're playing a team like Philly, that's it's almost using this uh, you know underdog role. We saw them in the dog right. masks after they. Uh, after so they won against the Falcons, yeah. That's great. Um, so I, I'm actually with you too. I'm picking the Eagles. I think that they're that the home field advantage will kind of be what they need. Two good defenses can run the ball, but um, should be should be a fun one. Let's move over then finally to um, Patriots. No surprise hosting the AFC Championship yeah. game against the upstart uh, Jaguars and that uh, ferocious defense. What do you see there? I so badly want to pick the Jaguars because that defense with Malik Jackson, Clays Campbell, Jalen Ramsey, my goodness, that is that is a heck of a defense. But there's, I just can't. Not with Tom Brady at home. I just I can't. So Super Bowl to me is Philly versus Tom Brady. Yeah, I, I talked to our, our friend Ryan Harris, the former Broncos lineman, for a story I'm doing on Clays Campbell. And and he said he starts talking to me about about the defense of the Jaguars. You know, you got Malik Jackson, you got Clay's Campbell, you got a great linebacker in Paul Puzlesny, you got Jalen Ramsey on the outside. He's like they they have a defense that that has been able to lift them to this kind of season they've had. It's like now all they have to do is go beat the greatest quarterback of all yeah. time in his <laughs> no house. No big deal. Right? <laughs> That's all you have to do. They do remind a little bit of of um, you know of the Broncos' 2015 yeah. team and the formula that they have for winning games. Um, except they have a running back who who is who has had can be a complete game changer in Leonard yeah. Fournette. Um, but again, it just comes down to I think the idea of yeah. you don't pick against Tom Brady at home, yeah, even at forty. Yeah, I mean even if he's down at halftime, we've seen this play out so many times. I just I don't know. Maybe they'll surprise us. <laughs> maybe maybe this will be the year. Well, that's going to do it for us today on the Denver Post Broncos podcast. Be sure to keep it locked into denverpost.com slash Broncos as we continue to update you throughout the offseason on all things Broncos. Nick, you'll be in the, at the Senior Bowl next week. Be sure to follow along there. Um, and then at the Super Bowl and then through the Combine where, where we'll both be at the end of February. Um, and we'll be doing these podcasts uh, weekly um, up, up through that time. So keep it locked in and thanks for listening.